Thank you for joining the Dark Light Podcast. Here at the Dark Light Podcast, you will find information about the absolute truth. Hang on tight as we go to discover the light in the darkness. Matthew 24, verse 4. Jesus answered, See to it that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ, and will deceive many. In today's world we seldom think about the reality that we currently live in it's almost as if we've all been brainwashed put to sleep And we are living someone else's dream. The world has never been a place that you could say was good or noble or just. Or a place that you could trust your life too. The world has always been a messed up place. A place that doesn't really have any morality. It doesn't really have a compass, a guide, a way to show you how to live. And yet, we ignore the warnings that have come to us down through time, have come to us from the masters, those who were enlightened, the many who have gone before us and shown us the way to live. Jesus the Christ warned his disciples, warned his followers about the future, about what was coming in the world. And in Matthew chapter 24, we see many, many warnings and explanations from Jesus the Christ about the end of the world. Yes, the end of the world. For some reason, even people today who are talking about things like the demise of 
capitalism, the destruction of society as we have known it to be for several hundred years, the breaking down of social standards, the United States Constitution being ignored by even the Supreme Court of the land. All of these things show us that we are living at the end. And yet, even those who talk about the current events and the way in which things are falling apart, coming unglued. For some reason, most of the talking heads on television, the talking heads in the news media, even the talking heads on alternate news media platforms, even those that consider themselves to be conservative talk show hosts, conservative bloggers, Christians, fundamentalists, evangelical Christians, keep insisting that even though the world is going down at the moment, we will have a rebirth They insist that the world will find its way, that we will have a great awakening, and that some savior will come and fix the political disaster that we are now currently living through. And yet, Jesus the Christ has warned us time and time again that after these things, the end will come. And here in this verse in Matthew 24, we see Jesus the Christ warning his disciples about the future and that many false Christ will appear and deceive many. We often think of those false Christ as gurus, people that pretend to be sages, messiahs, saviors of the world. Jesus was nailed to a cross by the Romans under the request of the Jews and the Jewish Sanhedrin. And in his place, they released Barabbas, a person who had claimed to be the Messiah. Jesus the Christ 
warned his disciples that there would be many false Christs and false prophets. Men, people who would pretend to be the Messiah, the Christ. But there is also another way to look at this verse, this warning coming to us from Jesus the Christ. And that is that the model of Jesus the Christ will be altered in such a way that many will be deceived by the false Christ, the false image of what we think Jesus the Christ should look like, should act like, should function as in society. The Christian world, the Christian society, for many years, the world has looked to the United States of America and has referred to the nation as a Christian nation. Nothing could be further from the truth. And yet, our model of what we think Christianity should look like is often reflected in Western values, in Western lifestyles, in Western thinking, Western politics, and Western ways of life. So when Jesus said that many false Christs would appear and many would be deceived by those false Christs, it just wasn't a reference to people pretending to be messiahs, false messiahs. It was also referring to the image of Christianity. And this becomes the issue we have today. Christianity has been turned on its head. Christianity, so-called, is a lie. The Christian way of life, as proclaimed by the Billy Grahams, the talking heads on television, is a lie. Christianity has been obscured, has been twisted and demolished so that the Christian church on your street corner is no longer representing Jesus, the Christ, is no longer representing the truth as it is in Jesus the Christ. It's all lies. The pastors 
the priests, the clergy are all lying to you. All you have to do is look at their lips. They're moving. And as long as their lips are moving, they're lying to you. This is not the day, this is not the age, this is not the time to play games. We have been playing games long enough. It is time for us to get serious and to understand that the end of all things is at hand. The false Christs and the false prophets are present today. The false image of what Jesus the Christ looks like, what the message of Jesus the Christ should sound like, what the truth as it is in Jesus actually is, needs to be understood. Today in this podcast, I'm going to attempt to do just that. We hear today many people talking about the mark of the beast, the image of the beast, the number of the beast, 666. It's everywhere. People have begun to associate the death shot, the vaccine mandates as part of the 666 death cult. Many politicians, pastors, theologians have gotten on the bandwagon and decided that mandatory vaccinations are the mark of the beast. And yet, these very same people stand in the pulpit and completely ignore the fact that the Bible, the Word of God, clearly defines the mark of the beast. The Bible clearly identifies the image to the beast. And the Bible warns us that the beast has a woman, a harlot, a prostitute, a whore, riding on its back, drinking from a wine goblet the blood of the saints. The Bible does not leave any question about who the beast is. 
The Bible does not leave us wondering who the woman riding the beast, which is standing on seven hills, who that woman actually is. The woman arrayed in gold, purple, and scarlet. So many people today have sidestepped the truth that when the truth appears, they just throw it away. They laugh at it. They disregard it. And yet, the truth still stands. The truth is still present. The truth as it is in Jesus the Christ is still available. It's still calling in that still small voice. Look and live. Matthew 24 23. At that time, if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders that would deceive even the elect if that were possible. See that I have told you in advance. So, if they tell you there he is, in the wilderness, do not go out. Or there he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. It is often said that things can never be changed. Things can never be altered. The more things change, the more they stay the same. In these verses, Jesus the Christ is speaking very directly, very plainly to his disciples, warning them about future events. Imagine that 
Jesus the Christ was trying to explain to people who lived 2,000 years ago. These people did not live in a modern computer, tech-driven, Facebook-savvy world. There was no internet. There was no TV. There was no AI. No robots. No mechanical military dogs. There was no ability to explain airplanes, fighter jets, submarines. And yet, Jesus knew what the end of the world would look like. Jesus knew what had to be told and warned about in relationship to the time of the end. And so we see here in Matthew 24 that Jesus is laying down a framework and this framework extends into the book of Revelation the book that was written by John on the Isle of Patmos John the youngest of the twelve disciples John the disciple that everyone said Jesus loved he was the disciple that Jesus admonished and gave his mother to to take care of as he died on the cross John the revelator hence the book called Revelations so we must place in our minds at this moment the careful structure of how Jesus the Christ is warning his disciples about the end of the world many Christians today insist that the world will go through a political upheaval, a change, a revival, a spiritual revival. We hear about revival camp meetings. We hear about gatherings where Christians are speaking in tongues and healing the masses. And somehow this is supposed to represent glorious future on this world in this earth but Jesus clearly warned do not believe when they say that 
Jesus the Christ is in the secret chamber. Jesus the Christ is in the desert. Jesus the Christ is here or there. Don't believe them. For if it was possible, even the very elect would be deceived. Even the very elect would be lost. But Jesus said, pay attention to the fact that I have told you in advance. I have told you the truth about the future. I have told you the truth about the end of the world. You must pay attention. You must look at the events surrounding the end of the world. Wars, earthquakes, rumors of wars, disasters, floods, famines, horrible things. By the time we get to the book of Revelation, there's something called the seven last plagues. A time in the world's history when all of nature is turned upside down and inside out. And the destruction of the world is evident. There is no going back. There is no building back better. That is the lie of the serpent. Those who want to believe that somehow there'll be a thousand years of peace on earth and Jesus the Christ will reign as king are lying to you. Jesus the Christ himself said, do not believe. They say here is Christ, there is Christ. Don't believe it. For as the lightning shines from the east even unto the west, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man in the clouds of heaven. We must be very careful as we piece together the different verses, the different chapters in the Bible speaking about the time of the end. Entire books like the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel have been dedicated to explaining the time of the end. Make no mistake, the end is here. I can hear lots of you saying, sure, people have been saying that for hundreds, maybe thousands of years. The end is here. The problem with all of those other people is that they didn't look carefully at the details. They didn't try and understand the specifics of what the time of the end actually consisted of. When Jesus the Christ 
warned his disciples about the end of the world, he went out of his way to describe a time in Earth's history that would be so chaotic and so unbelievable that even those who were alive at the time that Christ was speaking were not able to comprehend the intensity of the last days. Jesus the Christ stated that if it were not for the fact that time will be cut short by God, that no one would be saved from the face of the earth. It's going to be that bad. Are you ready? Matthew 24, 19. How miserable those days will be for pregnant and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not occur in the winter or on the Sabbath. For at that time, there will be great tribulation unmatched from the beginning of the world until now and never to be seen again. If those days had not been shortened, nobody would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Here Jesus the Christ is speaking about the future. Yes, he was telling his disciples key points about how to tell that the end of the world was upon us. And those key points never go away. So let's look at the details. Jesus the Christ indicated in this verse two things that are extremely important. Two things that most, if not all, fundamentalist, evangelical, Christian preachers and theologians ignore. They just ignore these verses like they don't exist, like they don't matter. The two elements that Jesus shows in these verses is that you need to pray. And what do you need to pray for? A, that your flight be not in the winter. Now, did Jesus the Christ know that in 
2,000 years later, there would be a president of the United States who said, this will be a dark winter. It's just not one person saying that. It's many world leaders. This phrase, dark winter, has taken on a cosmic meaning which has yet to be fully revealed. But Jesus picked up on that idea. Many people read this verse and just pass it off as if it already occurred in the past, as if this was just some kind of nonchalant detail given to disciples that only occurs one time and then it's over and then we just forget about it. Let me remind you that Jesus the Christ was talking not so much to his 12 disciples as he was talking to his disciples in the future. 2,000 years down the road. Let that sink in. Jesus the Christ said that there will never be another time as bad as this time. It's called the end of the world for a reason. There's no coming back. The Bible has clearly said it's determined once for man to die and then the judgment. Many people have looked at the surface meaning of that verse and suggested that it must be wrong because people are clinically dead, their heart stops, they stop breathing, and then miraculously their heart starts beating again and they come back to life and they can lead full normal lives this is why we teach people CPR it's very very important that when we look at the statements of Jesus the Christ in the Word of God, in the Bible, that we don't just brush them off as if they mean nothing to us today, as if they have some simplistic answer, some sort of different ancient meaning. Oh yes, they could apply in some way to many different situations. But there is one particular situation for which the whole entire Bible was written 
And the Bible itself says, all these things happened unto them as examples to those who live when the ends of the world are come. So Jesus was always focused on how to explain the end of the world, the future, final end of the world. In Earth's history, we've had many so-called demises of kingdoms and countries and states and things that have fallen apart and world conquest and we've had the rise and the fall of nations. The Bible speaks about this in the book of Daniel. The great image which the king of Babylon built which he then forced all people to bow down and worship was a symbol of his image which he had seen in his dream and in his dream the image had been made out of different types of metal starting with gold leading on to silver and bronze and iron and then finally when you got down to the feet the feet were made of iron and clay and then a rock which was cut out without hands meaning some type of divine asteroid hit this image in the king's dream and destroyed the image pulverized it it says that the rock grew and engulfed the whole world and Daniel the prophet indicated that that rock was the kingdom of God which would last forever. So when we see Jesus the Christ here in Matthew chapter 24 talking about the end of the age the first question we have to ask ourselves is when does this age end? How many ages have there been in the world? Many times the Bible translators have tweaked the word end of age from the original manuscripts and translated it as end of the world. But if we refer back to Daniel, 
we will realize that the world is engulfed by the stone which hit the image and demolished it so that the kingdoms of the world will be destroyed by the kingdom of God the stone Jesus the Christ called himself the stone which the builders rejected In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said, Pray that your flight be not in the winter, the dark winter, the winter to end all winters. This is not just talking about the months of October, November, December, maybe January, the winter months when it snows and the wind blows and it rains and it's pretty much winter. No, this word winter has a much more profound, deeper meaning. But for those theologians who want to just bypass the details, they don't spend much time discussing the meaning of the words of Jesus the Christ. Many people today are running around talking about the dark winter that is upon us, the chaos that is the living reality. But seldom, if ever, do we hear theologians and pastors speak on the meaning of the words of Jesus the Christ. Pray that your flight be not in the winter. But Jesus the Christ doesn't stop there. He then says, pray that your flight be not in the winter or on the Sabbath day. The word translated there as Sabbath is a very specific word which indicates not just any Sabbath but the weekly seven-day Sabbath. This is very clear by the translator's own writings in the concordance. The Bible concordance, where the translators try and explain what they're looking at when it comes to ancient words. This word Sabbath occurring in Matthew chapter 24 
which is a chapter which all theologians agree on is speaking about the end of the world. It has other applications as well, but it is specifically speaking about the end of the world. And in this context, the fact that Jesus brings up two things, winter, as in dark winter, and the Sabbath, as in the seventh day Sabbath, is extremely important. I can hear some of you saying now, but I thought Christians observe Sunday as a holy day of rest. And there lies the secret. You see, once you walk off the path of truth and you deviate and begin to walk through the grass, through the weeds, and you don't stay on the path, the narrow path, the path of truth, the path that leads to eternal life and the glorious future, you have then diverted your efforts, diverted your steps, and you're now on the broad path that leads to destruction. And many there be that go therein. It is extremely important that we look at the details of Matthew 24 because it is only in the details that we will discover the actual truth of the words of Jesus the Christ. Jesus himself said that he would always speak in parables, especially to the common average person. He would tell a story. And once again, here we see Jesus trying to weave a story about the end of all things, about the end of the world. According to Native American folklore, the buffalo has four legs and three of them are broken. The ages of the world have been delineated by animals, birds, epochs of time. But most of the time, we have said that there are 
four ages to the world. And three of them are past. We are now currently living, according to the Greeks, in the age of Pisces. The age of the fish. It wasn't by accident that Jesus chose his first disciples and they were fishermen. And Jesus the Christ said, leave your nets and I will teach you to be fishers of men. The Piscean age is also known as the Christian age. The symbol, the ancient symbol for Christianity is a silhouette, stick drawing, line drawing of a fish, Pisces, the age of the fish. Revelation 17, verse 9. This calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven hills on which the woman sits. Have you ever wondered why the Pope wears a mitre on his head? Just not any mitre, not just any hat, but when he wears the official papal mitre, turn it on its side and you will see that it is clearly the mouth, the open mouth of a fish. Ever wonder why that is? Well, I suggest to you that the Pope is a representative of the priest of the temple of Dagon the fish god. The more things change, the more they stay the same. The seven heads of the strange looking beast in Book of Revelation, one of many beasts described in the book of Revelation represent seven hills upon which the woman sits. The city built 
on seven hills. Rome. The woman sits on Rome. That would be the Vatican. The Vatican is a state, a city, and a so-called church. All at the same time. The Pope wears a crown, a triple-layered crown on his insignia, on his lapel, on his vestments. He claims to be the king of heaven, the king of this earth, and the king of hell, the nether regions. Oh yeah, look it up in your encyclopedia. Three heads, three crowns. Six, six, six. Building back better. The more things change, the more they stay the same. So, when we see the unfolding of what Daniel calls the desolation, the dark winter, the destruction of so-called society, the demise of world powers, all being melted into one soup, one pot, one new world order. The sign which we have been given by Jesus the Christ is the winter. Pray that your flight be not in the winter or on the Sabbath. The Bible is consistent from beginning to end. There must be a reason, a causation for why these two technical, specific ideas are presented together. Winter, Sabbath. When Jesus was crucified it says that he was crucified between two thieves the fact that Jesus the Christ was crucified between two thieves 
has a much deeper meaning than just the reality of the Savior of the world dying on a cross, bleeding out in the presence of two thieves. When we look at this story at a much deeper level, we begin to realize that Jesus the Christ referred to himself as the Lord of the Sabbath day. The Lord of the Sabbath. Whenever the Jews would accuse him of breaking the laws which they had created around the Sabbath, which were traditions which had no basis in actual law, but were merely traditions of the Pharisees, traditions of the leadership of the Jewish nation, Jesus would always point out that he himself was Lord of the Sabbath day. And when we see that the Lord of the Sabbath day was crucified between two thieves, we begin to realize that that scenario, that story is playing out at the end of all things. Remember that the Bible was written for those who live at the end of the world, specifically us, you, and me. So, what might be the two thieves? The Lord of the Sabbath was crucified between. Well, it's not too difficult to see that in today's world there are three prominent religions three prominent Abrahamic religions Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. And these three groups of people, these three nations, these three organizations, these three religions, are very symbolic and at the same time very real. 
And what day is the day of prayer? For Islam, it's Friday, the day of prayer. For Jews, it's the seventh day Sabbath, which Jesus himself claimed to be the Lord of the Sabbath. And then there's Christians, and the Pope of the Roman Catholic Church claims to be the Lord of Sunday. And it is by his inherent power, the power of the Vatican, that the solemnity of the Seventh-day Sabbath was moved, switched to Sunday. And it is for that reason and that reason alone that many and most Christian churches observe Sunday as a day of rest. Jesus the Christ was hung on a cross between two thieves. The truth will set you free. Jesus reminded his disciples, the ones that lived 2,000 years after the fact, that there were two things they should pray for, that their flight be not in the winter or on the Sabbath. The Sabbath has nothing to do with the Jew. The Sabbath, the seventh day Sabbath, is according to scripture, the Sabbath of the Lord your God. It doesn't belong to a person, it belongs to God. And the Lord of the Sabbath is none other than Jesus the Christ. I want that to sink deep into your mind, deep into your thoughts. In order to be a Christian, you must follow in the footsteps, in the example of Jesus, the Christ, the Lord of the Sabbath. Mark chapter 2 tells us that Jesus proclaimed, even I and Lord of the Sabbath. This Lord of the Sabbath 
was reiterated in all of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and even John. This idea that Jesus the Christ was Lord is so important that when the translators translated the word Lord in the Old Testament, they always made reference to Jehovah, the I-H-V-H, the Tetragamaton, and they translated it into English as capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Lord. So when we get to the New Testament and Jesus reiterates the fact that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. There could be no mistaking in the Jewish mind what he meant. And to clarify himself even more, when trying to heal the paralytic, the man let down through the roof by his men friends, Jesus said, Thy sins be forgiven thee. And of course, the Jews, the Pharisees, the leadership of the Jewish nation began to mumble and complain. And Jesus turned to them and said, It is true that only God can forgive sins. But so you will know that the Son of Man, speaking of himself, has that power to forgive sins. Arise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the sick man was healed and he got up and walked away. The reason why that story is so important so significant is that in Jewish tradition if you ever blaspheme the name of God in the way in which Jesus appeared to do that because he claimed to be God and had the ability to forgive sins if you make that claim in Jewish tradition you will be struck by lightning and killed by God instantly. And yet, Jesus stood his ground. And Jesus pointed out that he was, in fact, God. Because only God can forgive sin. The Lord of the Sabbath is an expression 
describing Jesus, which appears in all three synoptic gospels, Matthew 12, 1 through 8, Mark 2, 23 through 28, and Luke 6, 1 through 5. So by the time we get to John and the book of Revelation, he opens up chapter 1 by stating that he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And he heard a voice speaking to him. And when he turned around, he saw Jesus the Christ. It should be no problem, no difficulty for theologians and pastors and priests to acknowledge the fact that John the Revelator, the same disciple that wrote the book of John, that was the closest disciple to Jesus would never indicate that he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day unless that day had been the seventh day Sabbath. And yet, theologians today, pastors today, Christian pastors stand in the pulpit and lie to you and tell you they don't know what day the Lord's day is other than Sunday. Sunday is the Pope's holy day. Jesus the Christ said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath day, the seventh day Sabbath of the Lord your God. Jesus the Christ is indicated in the book of Revelation as being the author of the book of Revelation. The visions which were given to John on the Isle of Patmos were described by John as coming from Jesus the Christ. The same Jesus the Christ which is speaking in Matthew chapter 24. There is no question that the Lord's day is Saturday, the Sabbath. So for Jesus in Matthew 24 to indicate that you should pray that your flight be not on the Sabbath is a very specific deep 
seated mystery. And John on the Isle of Patmos picks up on that idea and says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, on the Sabbath day. And I heard a voice speaking. And when I turned around, I saw Jesus, the Christ, walking in between the candlesticks. The menorah had now been transferred to the Christian world by Jesus, the Christ himself. And the seven candlesticks represented to John the seven Christian churches. And he began to list the seven Christian churches. And each church had a specific message. And we must remember that those churches, although in his day were real churches, real Christian churches, they represent types of people, types of churches at the end of time. Make no mistake, the Bible does not lie. The problem is with the pastors, the theologians, lying about what they're reading, lying about the facts. It is very important that we study to show ourselves approved. Like the Bereans of the New Testament Christian Church, they went home and studied to see if in fact the things they had heard at church were true. The Bible tells us to prove all things, hold fast to that which is true. So by the time we get to the book of Revelation, a book that is so misunderstood and yet so basic in its foundation, so visual in its characters, that it should be easy for theologians, for people, for anyone to understand what the book of Revelation is actually saying. But most people get lost in the minutiae. They get lost in the simplistic surface level word meanings. And they fail to understand what came before.
what set the foundation, what set the truth as it is in Jesus the Christ. We see that Jesus the Christ is consistent in his teachings, in his methods of teaching. And he gave to us very specific delineations as to how we are to understand the end of all things. The end of the world is here. Make no mistake. Jesus the Christ indicated that at the end of the world the Sabbath the Sabbath that was crucified between the two thieves Friday and Sunday would again become the main issue. The Lord of the Sabbath has warned us, his disciples, his followers. He has warned Christians to beware of false Christs and false prophets. False Christs have false holy days. False prophets tell lies. We need to study. We need to understand. But first, we need to pray for the Holy Spirit to guide our minds into the truth as it is in Jesus the Christ. You have been listening to The Dark Light. Thank you for joining us. Please like, subscribe, and tell your friends about The Dark Light Podcast. We would love to have you here each and every day to discover the light in the darkness. Thank you.